Hey there, so it's DG from DG Podcast here. We are on episode 11 of Getting Lost in the Grey. So we're going to be looking at Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, CBT. Um, before we go into the nitty-gritty of the details of all that, um, as always, if any time you feel that anything that's discussed on this podcast or anything you feel... Uh, in your life at all is overwhelming and you feel that you need any kind of help please do reach out and get that help um, even if it's just having that beginning discussion with a friend or a family member it will help in the long run do not suffer in silence it's going to become our little what's the word quote or is there another thing like a kuna matata kind of thing but yes um with that cbt our links today are going to be from the nhs.uk and apa.org again they will be in the description as always as is my twitter please feel free to follow and i tend to try and post updates on there as much as possible so cbt Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. Now, what is it actually used for? It's been mentioned on many of my podcast episodes previously. It's been mentioned on almost every single one, to be honest. Um, So, it's used for depression and anxiety disorders, mainly. But, it can also be used for anyone who has any... Any mental health, from what I can see here, almost any of the mental health that or, that uh, people go through. There's also some physical health concerns that uh, CBT has been uh, suggested and died uh, not diagnosed, um, provided as a treatment for. So I'll just quickly run down the list here. So we've got bipolar, we've got borderline personality disorder, we've got eating disorders, we've got obsessive compulsive disorder. Panic disorder, phobias, PTSD, which I've not done an episode on yet. Psychosis, schizophrenia, which we discussed in the last episode. Um, sleeping problems, alcohol misuse. Again, I think that comes down to like addiction and things. So those are the more mental health side of things. Then, of course, there's some more physical ones and the long-term health conditions of um, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, fibromyalgia, and chronic pain. So it does seem to have quite a variety of uses, and I think it is more designed as to be tailored to the person and maybe the issue that's the health concern that's, um, that's prescribed for. So essentially, from what I could find out, CBT is based on quite a few different core principles, but the three main ones being that psychological problems are based in part on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking. Number two, psychological problems are based in part on learned patterns and patterns of unhelpful behaviour. Number three, people suffering from psychological problems can learn better ways of coping with them, thereby relieving their symptoms and becoming more effective in their lives. Now, this one 
when I read through those three principles, something that stuck out for me was essentially between number one and number two, I kind of felt like there was a little bit of, this is just my personal opinion, but I feel like there's a little bit of blame on there when it comes to CBT. And I feel like it would come across if people were to like look at CBT in this manner, it could come across as you essentially are being blamed for your own mental health, which can, I mean, there's certain aspects of it, I suppose, could be true, but I don't feel like, you know, people are solely to blame for their own mental health. There is a lot of factors that can, that are, that should always be taken into play when looking at a person's mental health. Yes, how a person feels about it and how they react to things, especially external stressors, um, will have a major impact. But that being said, just because someone has an un- unhelpful or faulty way of thinking does not necessarily mean that that is their fault. Especially if we look at childhood abuse and the trauma that can be um, from that. Other forms of abuse, uh, other forms of attack, um, you know, like PTSD. Um, I don't believe for a minute that a person's faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking are their fault. Nor do I feel that any of them are. I mentioned at the beginning there when I first started talking about it that yes, there are certain things that a person has to take a little bit of responsibility for. But I wouldn't say that a person's mental health is solely on their own responsibility. And it's a bit of a difficult one. Again, if we look at the psychological problems are based in part on learned patterns and unhelpful behaviour. Now that one for me sticks out as very much a blaming principle. Essentially, if you're blaming someone who has a mental health concern, that their behaviour is what's causing it, then you're a part of the problem, not a part of the solution. Getting a person to take responsibility for their behaviour is not the same as saying that their behaviour is what's caused um, their mental health or their physical health. It's, It's different in my opinion. And because it's different, I feel that these principles are poorly worded, poorly chosen. And if they are based upon, if CBT is based on this, I have concerns about its effectiveness. Clearly, obviously, I know I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor. And clearly there will be um, you know, success stories from CBT, and that's great. That really is. But I feel like there's a lot of blaming in this particular form of therapy. Now, I understand that people need to take responsibility for their actions. People need to take responsibility for their feelings, their emotions, their their own mental health, their own physical health. But I just kind of 
I don't know if it's just myself in my own opinion, but I just kind of feel like it's it's very much a this is on you side of things. And it's not always that case. Very rarely I would think it was that case. But anyway, I digress. So, how does CBT actually work? So, essentially it's based upon the concept that thoughts, feelings, physical sensations and actions are all interconnected and that negative thoughts and feelings can trap you in a negative cycle. Now that I can see. That that sounds a bit more like, you know, this is what the cause is, this is what we need to fix, as opposed to you need to take the blame for this, you need to, you know, admit that this is your fault or something like that, which is kind of what I got the, from the original principles that I mentioned uh I kind of got the feeling from them that's what this was. But when you look into it, it does... I don't know if it's just the way that things are worded that I'm just seeing it that way, but when I look into it, it does seem as though it's tailored to each person and it's more a case of looking at the negative thoughts and feelings that are causing a person to be trapped in a negative cycle. So... I think it could be positive in that aspect. So its aim is to deal with overwhelming problems in a more positive way by breaking them down into smaller parts. Now, that is that is a tried and tested um, concept for many different aspects of life. If we even just step outside of the mental health realm for a little bit and think about just even work. If you think of a gigantic task that you have to complete or lots of tasks that you have to complete an over overwhelming workload. Um, is if you continue to think about the, the essentially the entire workload is one giant task, then it will always seem like a giant task and it will always be overwhelming. However, if you break it down into smaller tasks, what needs to be done to actually achieve a certain goal doesn't have to be the end goal of completing this giant task but even getting one particular piece done and that chips away at the larger task then yeah this is definitely a good option um one thing with cbt is it's more designed to deal with current problems not looking at past traumas etc so that's more of a talking therapy and uh, you know therapy with psychologists and everything there so cbt isn't designed to do that it's more about changing the behavior and thought process to allow for your state of mind to improve on a daily basis so that's where it can be very different now there's a few little pros and cons that i came across um, some of the pros being that it can be completed in a relatively short period of time in comparison to other talking therapies. Um, another pro, highly structured nature of CBT means it can be provided in different formats, either in groups, self-help books, even online, which in this day and age is really useful, especially given the previous pandemic and when everything got closed down. Um, 
It teaches you useful and practical strategies that can be used in everyday life, even after the treatment is finished. Again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with regards to work. You can take these lessons and learn them into other aspects of your daily life. Um, it focuses on the person's capacity to change themselves. So I suppose with this one, it gives a bit more responsibility on the person to take the therapy and use it as opposed to when you go to uh, a talking therapy where you just talk about your your past trauma and not that I'm negating that or uh, minimizing that in any way um but this one's more designed to be used taking forward and trying to make an effective step forward every time um it can be as effective as medicine in treating some mental health problems and maybe helpful in cases where medicine alone has not worked. Again, this is where I think it comes into the depression and anxiety because we can we can prescribe medications all the time. But if the behaviors and the situation that a person is in isn't changing, the medication can only help as long as you take it. And then, generally speaking, we would expect someone who's on antidepressants to be able to um, wean off them eventually and continue their, their life without the requirement to be dependent upon an antidepressant. So this is where I believe that CBT could be useful because if you were to be on antidepressants and then do CBT at the same time and then you were able to wean off of the antidepressants and continue with the CBT and the lessons learned from that, then essentially it could be a good way to move forward and get yourself into a more positive mindset and a more positive situation. Again, this is only my personal opinion and from what I have read into CBT myself. Of course, in opposites we have the cons, the disadvantages. It's not a simple process. It is something that a person would need to commit themselves to and cooperate with a therapist. So again, this is maybe where if we look back at schizophrenia, this could be quite problematic, especially if the person is very suspicious. They may have delusions, they may have hallucinations, they may be very worried, fearsome of the therapist, therapy in general, uh, mistrusting, etc., so this can be a difficult one for some people to to follow through with. Um, the attendance of sessions and any follow-up work, homework, if you think about schoolwork, etc. Between the sessions, they can take up time. Now... If someone's under a very stressful time and their mental health is suffering because of that, this can be a little bit problematic because obviously if you're having to take more time um, out of your daily life, which is already stressful enough because of the overwhelming work or uh, family situation that you're in, this could maybe add to that and maybe make it feel like it's even more overwhelming. Again, this is where it's useful to talk and discuss. Um it's not always suitable with uh, some people who may have more complex, intense mental health needs and or learning difficulties. So it's not for everyone, 
it is, again, something that is tailored to the person and their mental health needs. And now this last one. It does involve confrontation of your emotions and anxieties. Now that is very likely to make you very anxious or emotionally uncomfortable. Now that's where I think CBT can relate to other talking therapies. In particular, you know, like psychologists and things where you're looking at past trauma. So, although it doesn't refer to everything in the past, it will look at things that you experience in a day-to-day thing. And there is going to be a lot there. And it is going to be another form of talking therapy where you are going to have to talk. You are going to have to face what you're anxious about. What is going on that is causing you this mental health concern? So with that, there is a lot to it. There is a really lot to it. And with that as well, I think the biggest piece for me to take away from that is that it does involve confrontation of what's going on and the other part I would say to take away from it is that it does take time now as I've mentioned in previous episodes I think I am in a waiting list for ADHD etc but for me as someone who I believe has ADHD one thing that deters me from certain support systems, certain health things, the gym, for instance, if I don't see progress quickly, I lose interest. I 100% lose interest very quickly if I don't see effective changes or progress. So this is a difficult one and it's not going to be for everyone. But again, I do think it is... At the beginning of the episode, when I was reading through the principles, I wasn't very convinced. And I think it I think it really depends on the therapist and the person who's getting the therapy and the reason why. Do I believe it's a you know, something that could be prescribed for everyone? No. No, not at all. I think it's very much tailored to the person and the therapist has to be really good at what they do. Now, I'm not saying that there's bad therapists out there, but I do know that there is experiences that people have had um, in the past where things haven't gone to plan. And that's not just on the therapist. That's also on the person who's receiving therapy. We all have to take a bit of responsibility for those things. But again, those principles that I spoke about at the beginning, they don't align with the rest of CBT as far as I can see. When I done the research into it, I took those principles at face value. Once I actually started reading into it, you may have noticed in the episode at the beginning, I was not, and you could tell probably with my tone of my voice, I was not supportive of CBT. Now 
that I've spoke through everything else, you may notice that I'm a bit more positive, a bit more supportive of CBT. So, again, it's each to their own, but also every person has a little bit of responsibility for themselves. And the therapists have a responsibility to tailor the therapy that's given to the person and the mental health needs. Not just the mental health needs, the person. Because every single person suffers from mental health in different ways. We have overarching symptoms, we have um, you know, generalised symptoms of mental health. Now, every person feels differently, every person has different reasons that they suffer from mental health, and these things, I think, are crucial in how we treat them. Just my thoughts. Now, moving forward, I'm going to close this episode off here. This one was an interesting episode. I believe all my episodes are interesting, but... This one was different, and I felt like at the beginning it was very different, and leading through the episode was very, very enlightening, and I hope, I hope, I hope you felt that too, but yeah. Next episode, we are looking at PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, I feel like that one's going to be a bit of a longer episode. Um, So, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Thanks for listening, and I truly appreciate you listening in. And, again, as always, don't suffer in silence. Reach out, get the help you need, or the help you want. You're never going to get it unless you reach out. That's the only thing I can say. Because we have to share our experiences. As I mentioned with the schizophrenia, the brain is very powerful. And its ability to do things, we can only describe them with our voice. So please reach out. Thanks.